0: Well, word must not have got out that I'm preaching. The crowd's pretty good today. (laughs) The last three Sundays, Joel has been preaching on our disciplines of worship, connect, serve. And this morning, uh, I have the opportunity to speak on the discipline of go. When we think of going, we hear that in this context, we think of people like you're going to see on the screen here. These three people... Or special. If we can get them. They're up there. No, not yet. We're there now? Well, we're not getting started off too good. There they are. There they are. There they are. Do you know the person on on your left? Who is that? You don't know? Somebody tell me. Lottie Moon. Lottie Moon is famous for missionary work. Give her whole life to China. The lady on the right. I knew you knew her. She's there now, full time. The gentleman in the middle, I'll buy you a steak supper if you can call his name. Fascinating story. His name is George Lyle. He was actually a missionary before William Carey was a missionary. He was a slave. He got saved as a slave under his master taking him to church. He got his freedom and he moved from America to Jamaica to start churches among the slaves there because at that time, England was occupying Jamaica and they had slaves. And he preached the gospel and planted churches all throughout Jamaica as a full-time missionary. So we know that when we hear the term go, we think about full-time missionaries. We're going to read several scriptures this morning. They'll be on the screen. The uh, first one is Acts 13, verses 1 through 3. This is what we would be we would look at as the very first commitment to foreign missions. Now, there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Maen, who had been brought up with Herod, the territory, and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed, laid hands on them, and they sent them away. This was the beginning of Paul's missionary journeys, the first of three, where he took the gospel throughout all of the, the known world of the, of the Middle East and, and the Mediterranean Sea. And Paul later wrote in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15, For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tiding of good things. It's it's obvious from the scripture that full-time mission work is a call from God. God called out Paul, he started, he made three journeys, and from his journeys many churches were planted and the gospel was spreading. And as the, the pictures that we had on the screen a moment ago, you saw. Those are people that we knew one of the three that have been called to full-time missions. So we know that the word go means to go. Wait a minute. What about all of us? Now, there may be some of you here today, there may be a person sitting here that God is dealing in your heart, Holy Spirit speaking to you about full-time mission work. But that's not true of all of us. I can honestly say that as far as I know, I have never felt the call to full-time mission work. Now, we've had the opportunity to do a lot of mission work, volunteer and part-time, but I personally have not had the call to pack up and go to another country, and I'm sure you haven't either. There's too many of you sitting here. So how do we become part of that go? There's three things, three disciplines that we need within this that speaks to our heart. The first one is prayer. I'm going to read several verses of Scripture today that Paul wrote to help us understand how important Paul believed prayer to be in the ministry that he was carrying on. first one is in Philippians 1, 19 and 20. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my eager expectation and hope, that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul was writing to the church at Philippi. Philippi was a church that he planted on one of his journeys. And now he's writing back to them and asked them and, excuse me, and thank them for their prayers because he knew he would be delivered because of their prayers. And he asked them to pray Look there. For expectation and hope, pray that he would not be put to shame, but with all boldness. In other words, he was saying, pray for me that I will be bold to preach the gospel. Another passage is in Romans. Romans 15, 30 and 31. Now I urge you, brethren and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints. Paul had not yet got to Rome when he wrote this letter because he ended up going to Rome in chains. But the church had been, had, had been planted there by others, and he was writing them, asking them to pray for him for the gospel. And in Colossians chapter two, 4, verses 2 through 4, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the Word so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way that I ought to proclaim it. Paul planted a church in Colossae. Now he's writing back to them saying, pray for me. I'm in chains. I'm in prison. Pray that I will be bold and that I will share the gospel, that I will do what I need to do as a missionary. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He had planted the church at Ephesus and now he's writing back to them saying, pray for me that I will be bold and I will speak and I will preach what needs to be preached the gospel. And then in second Corinthians chapter one, verses nine through 11, he had planted the church at Corinth. It, indeed we have the utter, the sentence of death within ourselves so that we, Would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who rescued us from so great a danger of death, and will rescue us, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. You also join in helping us through your prayers, so that thanks may be given by many persons in our behalf for the favor granted to us through the prayers of many. He was asking the church at Corinth to pray for him because he was in trouble. He was having struggles, and he wanted to be able to preach the truth, and he wanted to be delivered so he could continue preaching. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you. He had planted the church at Thessalonica, and now he's asking them to pray that the gospel would continue to be spread as it was spread among them. And then in that same book, he simply says in chapter 5, 25, brethren, pray for us. We get the picture. <laughs> Paul believed in prayer. Paul believed that prayer undergirded his ministry. Let me tell you something that I've come to know in experience. We've had the privilege of meeting missionaries, uh, Southern Baptist missionaries and missionaries of other denominations and of other uh, ministries. And they all need money. That's, that's up front. There's no doubt about that. But you know what they ask for more than anything? You got it. I didn't even hear you reply. Prayer. <laughs> they ask for prayer. They know that everybody that comes to work with them or calls them or emails them, everybody can't, doesn't have money to send them. But they ask for prayer over and over again. They ask for prayer. That's our call is to pray. That's the one thing. That's the first thing that we can do in the discipline of going Even while we sit, now I will say pew because I'm an old guy, but I know you're sitting in chairs. As you sit in the chairs, he asks us to pray. Think about that, praying. We can't pray for 5,000 Southern Baptist missionaries plus all the other missionaries that we know in other organizations. That's impossible. So where do we start? Well, we can start by praying for those that we support and those that we partner with. We pray for the missionaries. I want to pause and share a personal testimony. 19,19, 19, 2018. We started moving dirt out here. I started praying. I'd prayed before then, but I knew we'd forget the first morning. I drove in the back road. At that point, we wasn't sure exactly how the schedule was going to go to mix, to move the dirt. I know you sit here going, wow, I didn't know that. Well, it's a good thing you didn't know all the insecurities. (laughs) But the reality of it is I prayed. And I'm not going to call names, but God brought people, not just because of my prayers, but what I'm sharing with you is my heart. I prayed. There were many times we come to work not sure of who was going to be here to do what, but I found myself praying. And people were here. People were here. Time and time again, miracles, little miracles happen through this whole thing because of prayer. Many of you, over and over again, would send a text, send an email, call on the telephone, or speak to us and say, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. How can we pray? And we put out special, special, specific prayer requests, and you prayed for them. We believed that what we were doing was God's will. We believe that he wanted us to be here today. And in believing that, we prayed. You prayed. And I don't know that I've ever been closer to the Lord than those three and a half years (laughs) because I found myself praying every day because I was certainly out of, I was over my head. (laughs) What am I saying? We prayed for what was closest to our heart. If I ask you what you prayed for this past week, I guarantee you, you prayed for your spouse. You prayed for your children. You prayed for your parents. You prayed for that friend that's going through a divorce. You prayed for that friend that's got an addiction. You prayed for that friend that you've witnessed to that you want to see saved. All of that is well and good. but Jesus made it very clear when he called Zacchaeus out of the tree. There in that passage, he said, I have come to seek and save that which is lost. Jesus died on the cross to save not just Johnny Horton, not just Grace Life, folks. Jesus died on the cross to save every human being that would receive him. That's close to his heart. Read the New Testament. Read the Old Testament. God is in love, has a love for people that he created. And his desire... Is for people to know him. Now, I'm saying this rhetorical. If, as a believer in Christ, I'm to be like Christ, if I'm to be like Christ, I need the heart of Christ. And the heart of Christ is concerned about lost people, the heart of Christ is concerned about those people groups that have yet to hear the gospel. Madison has shared with us a prayer request of a group of people within the country where she's working that there is no known Christians in that group at this point and we're praying for opportunity for the gospel to break through. Those people are on the heart of God. Now, to me that says there's something wrong in my life because my heart should be pointed toward the things Christ is pointed toward. Yes, we take care of our own here and we ought to do that. We have a ministry here. We're touching people's lives in this community and it's, it's amazing and it's a blessing and it's wonderful, but we need to be part of the go by praying that God would give our missionaries boldness, protection, security, clarity of mind. Strong families so that they can do the work that God's called them to do. Every time Paul wrote a letter, he asked them to pray. God has been to grace life. We are a saved group of people. People are continuing to be saved. The gospel is being preached. Lives are being changed. So if you would think about it, we're either an Ephesus or a Corinth or a Colossae or a Thessalonica. We have the gospel. And what did Paul ask those churches to do? To pray that he could continue to carry the gospel. What missionary are you praying for this week? Oh, I'm sure we're praying for Madison. and We ought to be. But well, what happened before she went? Now that she's there, it's opened our eyes to the need. Our first discipline under the go, if we're not going full-time, is to pray. The second, excuse me, the second discipline is to give. In 3 John 1, 5 through 8, we have these words. Well, I think we had these words. Here we go. 1 John 5, 1 through, 1 through, 5 through 8. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brothers and sisters, and especially when they are strangers and they have testified to you, your love before the church, you will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God, for they went out from the name for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles, therefore we ought to support such people so that we may prove to be fellow workers with the truth. John was writing to a group of people and he was saying he was encouraging them to support the itinerant preacher that was going out and carrying the gospel, because they didn't expect to hear anything from the Gentiles because the Gentiles were lost. So they didn't expect to get any support from the lost people. So it was the responsibility of the saved to support them as they go. Second Corinthians chapter five, 8, verses 1 through 5, Paul writes these words. Now, brothers and sisters, we make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave voluntarily, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. There Paul was writing the church at Corinth. Of course, the church at Corinth had a lot of problems, but they were, they, there was a church there. And they were taking up money to send back to Jerusalem because the church of Jerusalem was under persecution. And the church of Jerusalem had been the one that was a sending church, but now they needed help. And Paul was talking about the church, the Macedonians, how they were so grateful for their salvation that they begged Paul to let them give. And it's as if Paul was saying, you don't have it to give, but they wanted to give anyway, but out of their gratitude for what had taken place in their life. And so Paul said, they are a good example. They gave themselves first to the Lord, and then they gave liberally to us to carry back to the church. And then in that same book, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7, Paul says, Now I say this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows generously will also reap generously. Each one must do just as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Paul is challenging the people there to give. We do not buy our salvation and we really don't give money to try to pay God back for what he's already done but Paul in another passage made the statement that he was indebted to everyone and what he meant by that was because he had come to know Christ. He felt an indebtedness to everyone who didn't know Christ and therefore his commitment was to carry the gospel to those people and he challenges us here and John challenges in his writing, that we need to support those who go. Uh, If we're truly grateful for our salvation, then we're going to be committed to the salvation of others. And we do that, that concern comes through prayer, as we talked a moment ago. God, give me a heart for missions. Give me a burden for those people that I don't even know. Give me a burden for my missionary that I do know to pray for him or her as they carry the gospel. Do you know Madison is serving where God has called her because we support the IMV? She couldn't be there without that support. Dr. R is reaching Arabs in the Middle East because of our support. Children are being fed and taught the gospel because of our support. Donations in our adoption in our, of children in Compassion International. We've seen that ministry. There's people locally being ministered to physically and hearing the gospel because we support the Grace Place. You see, it, it takes this to do the work. It takes this. And we need to give to missions. We need to realize that's an important. Our church is a gracious church. We do give. But I'm talking about personally. We need to be committed to praying, and to giving. The third thing that goes back, we'll call this the little G, go. Can't share a sermon on go without reading the most two uh, authoritative passages, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen and eighteen through twenty. Jesus is speaking to his apostles and his disciples before he, right before he ascends. He says. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And in Acts 1.8, this is pretty much repeated. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, and Samaria into the remotest part of the earth. If you study the life of the disciples, not a lot in the scripture of all 12 of them. We know we have 12 apostles. Of course, uh, Judas betrayed Christ, and he was replaced in Acts chapter 1. And then Paul was an apostle because he had met Christ personally. But if you study their life, Paul, Peter, some others were very famous. But biblical history will show that every one of those apostles carried the gospel somewhere. Some carried it to China, some carried it north, some carried it into Africa. And most every one of them, but John, died a martyr's death. And John died as an old man left on an island. They carried out what God told them to do. But we know that that commandment there is not just for those 12. It was for all of us, now that we're part of the kingdom. It's time to go. Time to go. Uh, We're not called to full-time missions. If you were, you wouldn't be sitting here today. (laughs) But you're here. But we're still called to go. We have opportunities to do short-term missions that support those who are on the full-time field. This makes a difference. Sometimes when we go on a short-term trip, and I know many of you have, we we fill in a responsibility that they can't do. We do something on the field that they don't have the manpower to do, and we can, magnif- we can you know, maximize a work by taking 10 or 15 or 20 people and doing something in a week that they can't get done. But many times, our short-term, short-term trips turn into an opportunity simply to minister to those on the mission field, to be able to encourage them, to remind them that they're not alone, to, t- to show them that we care about them. For us to take time to go, it makes a difference in their lives. Madison is so excited about the team that we're bringing this fall to her where she is. We're going to be working alongside Jonathan and Rebecca. They have full-time missionaries there and with, with Madison. And we'll, be able to, we'll be doing some teaching and working. So they'll use us, the team that's going. But we're there also to encourage them to let them know that they're on our hearts. We should never forget them. They should be on our hearts. We had the privilege of uh, working in Haiti for several years. Had several folks here that had been to Haiti on our trips. Scott and the house of from South Carolina. Actually, Scott went to Haiti the first time with us. He flew down to Alabama and went with us to Haiti. They felt led to go there as, as missionaries short-term, and they actually managed the, the mission house and managed the teams that were coming in and going. And their life was hectic. From Saturday to Saturday, they were managing 15 to 20 people every, every day. They had no personal time. It was tough. I know that because we were there several times. We were The reason it was tough on them, I guess. But, but God, had the, God gave us the opportunity to fill in for them one week. And I'm telling you, they were going 24-7 and they were there over two years. And it and was tough. But one particular trip, Bid and I, they asked me to come down to put a ceiling in a medical building and I knew it was going to take two weeks because I'm not very good at that, fast at it. So we took two weeks and we went down and there wasn't any teams there. So Scott and Allison was able to relax and enjoy some personal time but enjoy some time, and we shared together, and we got to celebrate with them their anniversary. And it was a blessing to and I, but it was a tremendous blessing to them to know that they had people that cared about them. This past June, we took a team to uh, Costa Rica. We worked with Tim and Dina. They've been full-time missionaries for 30 years or so there, They run two different children's homes. And they host teams, and the teams teach the children and work on the grounds and do all this. You've seen some of the pictures. And it was so, it was a blessing to us. Oh, man, we were blessed to see what God is doing there. But as we we got ready to leave, earlier in the week, I talked to Tina. She and I had some good conversations about mission work. And, And I asked her, I said, I want you to evaluate our team Tell me some good things that we did. Tell me some things we can improve on because we want to be effective. Well, at the end of the week, we shared, and she came back and sent me an email, and she said, I really can't tell you anything that you need to improve on. She said, your people was wonderful. She said, you prayed with us. You ministered to the children. You ministered to the workers. you, You plugged in. We encouraged them. Our team, you would have seen the team that was there. We had four people that could speak Spanish, which made it even better, much better, because they didn't have to interpret. We had our own interpreters. We gave them a chance to rest and relax because of what our people did on the, on the trip. And the last night we were there, you know what she asked? She didn't ask for money. She asked for prayer. She said, y'all don't forget to pray for us. Now, if you're here in the crowd today and you went to Costa Rica, I guarantee you, you're still praying for them because you saw it with your own eyes. And see, that's what mission short-term mission trips do. When you go, you get to see it firsthand. You get to shake the hand with them. You get to pray with them. You get to see their mission field, and it becomes personal. And therefore, they become a part of your prayer life. It's hard. It is hard to pray for people we don't know. Well, let's get to know them. That's what the internet's for, my goodness. And if I can do it, I know you can. Just ask some staff members. They'll tell you how inept I am around a computer. I can do things with a computer that you wouldn't dream of. (laughs) Mike, am I telling the truth? Where's Mike? Where is he? Am I telling the truth? I know I am. It's easy. It's easy. We can get to know our missionaries. We, can, we can't get to know all of them. That's not what God's called us to do. He's called us to be involved. I challenge you to think about it. Our, our going. Being on mission includes short-term mission trips. Every sermon that Joel has preached in this passage, in this uh, series, he's finished with a challenge. The last two on... Uh, Connecting and serving was very, very powerful, convicting challenges. Well, I don't want to let Joel down, so I'm going to do the same. I want to challenge you today. My challenge to you, to us, is to be on mission. Now, going on a short-term mission trip is not being on mission. It's part of it, but it's not all of it. And if you're sitting here today and you've been on a mission trip, I Congratulate you. I'm thankful that you've gone. But if if that's all you've done for missions, then we've missed it. Being on mission is 24-7. Being on mission is every day. Three three challenges. First one is prayer. I want to challenge each of you to pray. Brother Johnny, where do I start? I don't know where to start. I'm going to tell you. Go to our prayer mission page. It's on, it's on our website. I've got it fixed on my phone so I can get there in three clicks. And if I can do that with a phone, I know you can. And, and Miss Heather does a great job of keeping the prayer request updated. If you go down through there, you'll see every partnership we, we have, every entity that we support, or every group that we're praying for. We've had some connection with everyone on there. It starts locally, Grace Place. Save a life, and on and on. And then it goes into the state, it goes down. I want to challenge you to connect in prayer. I want to challenge you to pray. Pray for those opportunities. Pray specifically for the prayer needs that are listed there. What would happen? Dream with me for a moment. When Paul wrote those letters to those different churches and asked them to pray, I wonder how many of them prayed. I just got a feeling a bunch of them did because they were grateful that Paul had brought them the gospel. Well, I'm standing here as a multi-generational Christian. My parents were Christians. My grandparents were Christians. And I don't know about my great-grandparents, but they must have been, been close. You know, I'm, I'm been is saturated. But can you imagine being the first generation receiving the gospel in Ephesus? How grateful you are. And when Paul said, pray, don't you know they prayed? What would happen if once a week, every family in, this, in, our, in our church family took time to read down through those prayer requests on our mission page, you won't pray for every one of them every time, but you know what'll happen? The Holy Spirit will take one of them and plant it on your heart. And you'll find yourself praying for that need during the week. And if you read that list once a week, before long, you're going to know it in your mind, and you can pray for it without even going to it. But we updated, just this week, we updated some new requests from Madison and some of her praises. We've updated some other requests. So you go there to stay up. Well, what would happen if Grace Life family once a week went to that website and made that their prayer time? Remember what we said earlier about praying for what's close to our heart? I know you're going to pray for your family. I know you're going to pray for your pastor. I know you're going to pray for your church. I know you're going to pray for your friends. And that's all good. But I would like to challenge you this morning to take the next step. Don't be guilty as I was of praying what was close to my heart and not paying attention to what's close to Christ's heart. Christ loves all people. And he desires to see people saved. We have people on the field. All over the world, would you join me in praying for them? Start today. Start today. Go home and find that prayer page. Fix it so you can get to it easily. What happens if one night a week at supper time, or whenever the family eats together? And I know that's very seldom in our society today, but once a week, maybe. Before you before you say the blessing at the dinner table, you call up one of the names and share the request. And then the family, as they're praying their blessing over the food, they include the missionary they're praying. You don't want to happen. You'll start getting connected. You'll start being burdened. The burden will grow. Because the more you pray for something, the greater the burden is. I challenge you to pray. And I challenge you to use our mission prayer page as a place to start. Secondly, I challenge you to give. This past spring, Joel introduced our WIO offering. 25, 12, 400. And that was a challenge for 400 families to give $25 a month for 12 months, for a year. And that offering would be $120,000. Right now, our offering of, of 20, 22 was a little less than 25,000. How much more we could give? Think about that, 83 cents a day. That's three and a half 20 ounce drinks a week. And our offering could... Tr- Go up five times. What do we do with a WIO offering? We give to foreign missions, to home missions, to local missions, to disaster relief, and then we also give money for scholarships to help people go on mission trips. I challenge you to give. I challenge you to give. I challenge you to think about that. Pray and give. And then I challenge you to go. It's time sometimes to get up and Go. Consider a short-term mission trip with your family. People say it's financially they can't afford it. And you know what? That's true. There are some families that can't afford it. But let's just be totally honest. A lot of times it's priority instead of finances. Where are our priorities? Preacher, I don't give but two weeks a year for vacation. Great. Take one for the Lord and one for your family. There's, no, we, there's opportunities to go. There's opportunities to go. Grace Place needs volunteers. Go. We've started, we have started. We're gonna have a discovery club in Helen uh, in our McCall Elementary School. We need more teachers so we can open up more of those clubs in other schools. We need you. Come respond. OCC Shoebox Ministry. A trip is there. Opportunities there to give, to pray, and to go. It's there. Tomorrow, we're taking a small team down to Perry County to help a church that got storm blew away their their building. Let's go. Medical teams headed to Belize this uh, fall to minister. This past January, the team that our group was a part of saw 1,005 patients in three days and shared the gospel with every one of them. You can be a part of that. What you waiting on? What you waiting on? We got a team that goes to Gulf Shores to work with our missionary down there, Nate Deal, who works in the recreational ministry down there. They go down there every fall. What are you waiting on? We have construction ministries throughout the year. There's opportunities to go. Whether it's one day to Grace Place or once a week to Discovery Club or once a month on a local mission trip or whether it's w- once a year on a short-term trip go. What would happen if 50% of our people got involved? Do you realize what a difference it would make? Christ died for all people. If we have the gospel, we need to be a part of the mission effort. Pray, give, and then the opportunities to go. Don't leave here today without making a commitment to at least one of those. May we pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your, your gospel. We thank you for the message of salvation that we enjoy. Oh, God, thank you for my salvation, the salvation of my family, and so many of my friends, my church family here, God. We're here because you died on the cross and saved us. But Lord, we are also here, remain here because you desire to save others. God, I pray that you would burn into our hearts a burden for missions, that we would be careful to pray for those who are full-time, pray for those who are on the mission field, pray for those who are doing mission work in difficult places. God, may we examine our hearts in terms of our giving. And may we give, God. May we start today by making a commitment to just our W.I.O. offering as we support missions. And Lord, I pray that we'll get out of the seats. We'll get out of our chairs. And God, we'll go. May not be but once a year. It may just be once a month. Whatever it is, God, stir our hearts. Burn into our hearts, God what's close to your heart. and God, according to your Scripture, the souls of people are close to your heart. And God, I ask you to burn that in my heart. Forgive me, God, for where I have failed to pray, where I have failed to give, and where I have failed to go. And Lord, I ask you to burn this into my heart first. And I pray, God, that the fire would flow throughout this body. And God, we as a church would be that sending agent by praying, by giving, and going for the gospel to be carried around the world. Because you said, Lord, that's when you'll come back is when the gospel is preached in all the world. God, help us to be burdened to support missions in every aspect of praying, giving, and going. For it's in your name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Would you stand with us?